Welcome to our third episode of Electric Spark Podcast featuring our hosts, Emmy and Eric, with guest star Joe Blake Kennedy. Joe Blake Kennedy is a co-founder and actor for End of Film LLC. He's produced videos for YouTube and other social media. Joe has skills as an actor, voice actor, artist, writer, storyboard artist, fight choreographer, and uses additional visual effects for Indifilm. Please welcome Joe Blake Kennedy, a voice actor, co-founder of Indifilm LLC, and a graphic artist. Please welcome Joe. Hello, everybody. Thank you for having me on. So Joe is a lead actor and co-founder of End of Film LLC. Uh, would you like to explain what End of Film is and how long have you been part of that company? Yeah, long story short, um, End of Film, it's a collaborative effort amongst me and a good uh, group of tight friends that I've been with for a while. Um, we've been at the kind of social media YouTube game pretty much since it started. Um, but up until about like a good few years ago is when we decided to really take it seriously, try to get into creating content as high quality and as consistently as possible. Um, we have uh, started web series such as Trapped in Anime, which is our biggest one right now, uh, The Drunk Night, and a couple of other different types of skits and series that we put together and eventually getting into things like short films and hopefully other bigger productions down the line. So do you have like people like on your team that like comes up with all this, like all the films that you start? Yeah. A lot of the responsibilities are kind of shared. Um, like, of course, as he explained, for me, my skills, uh, at least my expertise is more on the acting, occasional writing and directing and the creative side. Uh, my background as a martial artist helps me with things like fight choreography. choreography. Of course, the more time I have, the better the result, but... Mm -hmm. Sometimes I might have to come up with something on the fly. Um, also, my background as an artist and a digital artist, that comes into play as well when it comes to storyboarding, if I need to do promotional material. Um, and lately, I've been trying to get into some video editing and visual effects. I'm steadily learning more about that. Um, but we're a small team, but we do share a lot of the responsibilities. We have uh, our lead editors, our special effects guys. Um, we do a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of different things and some of them are shared. Like sometimes I'll come up with an idea and sometimes other people will come up with an idea or they'll come up with an idea and they say, hey, Joe, can you come up with a script and storyboard for this? And then I just go from there. So I know that you said that you started it with like a group of friends. Have you like expanded from that group or is it still like the group of friends that you started the company with? Yeah, it has expanded. I know initially we were like a team of like four or five people and we all knew each other. Um, but then we also had people that had come uh, and joined on the team later, um, people that had, uh, had seen our content and said, hey, this stuff is really good. Whatever I can do to help and be a part of, I'm down for that. Um, even one of our team members, she's out in Chicago, so we do a lot of work together remotely. It gets kind of hectic sometimes, but it has worked out. She's a regular uh, a host on a podcast that we just recently started putting on. So yeah, we have steadily... And even connections from the people that we've added on recently, they'll get other people to come on board and act or help edit and things like that. So it is a steadily growing thing. I think it's like kind of crazy how you can like start with a team of two or like a team of four, like you said, and it's like 
all friends and then you just like meet new people and they're like oh i'll help you with this and then it just like gets bigger it's kind of weird how that kind of works and also tell us a little about yourself like in general and how you got to where you are today just like basically as a voice actor or actor or graphic designer just tell us how you got to that point or where you started i know like people you know obviously it might be from pencil and a sketchbook but you know give us the process for our listeners i know that you pretty much came like from nothing and have been pretty successful in the past like couple of years so i've seen you grow but i want our listeners to like know what the process is and like how they can start becoming a voice actor or even a drawler. Yeah. It's kind of funny for me too, because I'm terrible at hyping myself up and especially any artist will tell you we're our own worst critics. Where that, there's, that's so true. <laughs> that is so true. Because even for me, like, you know, especially at where I'm at now, there is a, a multitude of things that I am good at. But me being so self-critical, I'll say that I, I don't excel at any of those things. But sometimes as a creative, you just have to bite the bullet and say, you know what, this is fine. And then people will say, oh, this looks so good at that voice in the back of your head is just like, it could have been better. I remember that in class, you did that. I said, this Joker looks good. And you're like, no, that's trash, Eric. <laughs> I'm like, no, it's not. But for me, with my with the beginning of my journey as an artist and as a creative, as an actor, it starts way back at the beginning. Cause even for me, I've never really had any like formal training as an artist or an actor, voice actor, or whatever. It's literally starts with back when I was a kid, I just started to draw. That was just a natural, you know, habit that I just started to develop. Um, even teachers during high school and, and middle school, they would admit they would notice me in the middle of class, like drawing in my sketchbooks or whatever. But the grades didn't slip, so they were just like, okay, he must be paying attention, so we'll let him keep doing it. Um, when it comes to like acting and voice acting, I grew up with watching cartoons, picking up on different performances, different voice cadences, things like that. And I think that's what helped me develop more of a natural talent towards these type of things. But then, of course, the more you get into your craft, the more you just start to pick up on things and learn. Then definitely as you get older, you start to learn more about the realities of the industry for better or for worse. Um, so I always am trying to find my inspiration from, you know, things that inspire me. Like, uh, of course, I'm a huge Batman fan, as fans of The Drop Knight can probably tell. Um, but, you know, looking at someone like Kevin Conroy, the voice actor, mm -hmm. the primary voice actor of Batman, yeah. I love hearing like him speak about his history as an actor and how that role fell into his lap and how it just became his life, essentially, and he loves it. But for me, when I was doing like the character of the Drunk Knight and doing my own Batman, I'll admit to myself, it is just an approximation of Kevin Conroy's voice because he has the best voice. And to an extent, it's also my natural voice as well. But if I was to really like seriously try to get into the character of Batman... I would have to follow the same steps that he did. I would have to follow the same steps an actor does. One of my favorite quotes from Kevin Conroy is that, you know, you're not memorizing the lines, you're memorizing the breaths and the heartbeats because your voice comes out a certain way because you're thinking a certain way. Your voice is racing because your heart is racing. And that's like the key to acting and voice acting is its performance. You have to embody your character to the point that you identify you know their history you know their context within the story and it just comes out naturally it comes out authentic 
And then, of course, balance that with all the technical things you have to be aware of, like camera position, lighting, facial expressions, stuff like that. I love that quote. I'm just going to yeah, say, that say right you really had I literally was quote. like, I can't breathe. That was I, such a good I, quote. It's really good inspiration, too. And like I said, that's that's a lot of what I try to do, too, is I just try to even in the age of the Internet where so many resources are available to you, it does make you question a lot of like the systems put in place in front of us as far as what you actually need to be successful. Yeah. Of course, then this is probably one of the bigger lessons that you know I've taken away from just observing and being a part of all this is that so many resources are available to get started. Like everybody wants to make it. Everybody wants to be a rapper, a podcaster, a YouTuber, comedian, actor, voice actor, whatever. And yeah. there's so many ways to get started. But in order to really make it, it's it's such there's such a barrier to entry that it's more failures than successes. And that's just unfortunately the reality that we're in now. But I think the consistent detail is that regardless of your circumstances, and hopefully at some point these circumstances will change. But regardless of the circumstances, you have to know how far it is you've got to climb and then work your ass off to get up that mountain. Because nobody, nobody else can really take you there but you because the rest of the world doesn't care, especially not Hollywood. I can totally see that. I feel like a lot of people want to do something like in the entertainment industry or even like with art, especially. And it's just so hard to like, one, get your name out there, two, go through all the hurdles that are like in your way. But I don't even think it's like being successful in that state of mind. I think it's just like doing it. And I think part of it even too comes down to understanding what success means to you. Because yeah. like for me, I'm not looking to be faces on billboards on every TV or whatever. Mm -hmm. In my mind, it's not as realistic. Sure, it would be nice. It, I mean, it would be so cool to have my yeah. name, my face plastered on a billboard. Yeah. But like, sure. I mean, realistically, it's about, yeah. But like, realistically, it's just, am I happy doing like what I'm doing? So I know that you're a fight choreographer. Um, which is basically like creating the illusion that someone's like in a fight without physically harming the other individual. Is this sort of thing like difficult to do while also like trying to make it realistic? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a what you'll find, too, is that, you know, storytelling and filmmaking, it's a very fine tuned art. And you've got to be on point with a lot of your, you know, your decisions in the early stages and keep those in mind all the way throughout each stage of production. A, vic a quote that I come back to that I got from Batman is the victory is in the preparation. And that very much applies to, very much applies to filmmaking. The quotes are always from Batman. Yeah, I'm going to say you had another second quote. <laughs> exactly. You know, there's a good number of stories, but it all ties back into Batman. Um, but from the very beginning, it's, you know, what's the story? How is that going on? How much time do I have? What resources do I have available? What's my location? What are special effects going to look like? How do the camera need to be positioned in order to make the special effects work with the fight scene and still look cool? Um, but it's one of those things where if the slightest detail is off, you get there to the editing room or you're filming on set and you're like, oh, wow, we can't do that what we thought we could do. Or you get to the editing room and you're like, wow, that didn't come out quite like we wanted to. So how do we how do we make it work with what we have? Because we can't call everybody back to do the shoot. Joe's already cut his hair. We've got continuity issues. So 
the more you can try to solve these problems early on, get the rest of your team on board so that they understand the material almost as well as you do, the better. And like I said before, like the more time I have to work on it, the better the result will be. Um, one uh, short film that we had done that ha hasn't been released yet, but it is still in the back burner. It was like one of the better fight scenes that we've ever done still to this date. But we had the time. We did like weeks and weeks, almost months of choreography amongst the group. Uh, we got other actors in and we got their input. We did the test shoots and rehearsals and practicing the choreography. And then we got on set, had the choreography. And even still with all that pro that preparation, we still get on set and there's still other variables that need to be accounted for us to say, okay, so that's not going to work. So what can we do to tweak that and make it still work? You know, once we come to the editing tier. But comparing that amount of time, it produces a much better result than okay, here's the overall story. We need like a super quick little bit of choreography. Joe, come up with something real quick. And I have no problem doing it. I'll do it. But it's just not going to be as good as when you have that full amount of preparation. Yeah, I can totally see that. So when I was in high school, there was a scene where I had to like slap somebody. No matter like how much that we tried this, it was like not realistic. So ultimately the director was like, okay, just slap her. Like, physically slap her. And I was like, I don't know if I should do this, but she was like, go for it, go for it. So I ended up slapping her realistically on, on in the scene. Um, so have you ever had to do this, like to make it more realistic, like actually have someone like slap or tackle or whatever? Yeah. And it's, you know, it, there's of course like different tricks of the trade so you, you can sell hits. Uh, one is doing what they call like an egg shaped fist where you can see from here, and especially moving at full speed, it looks like a punch, but my hand is like literally got like a cavity there. And of course, having awareness of like spacing and distance, then I can like pull back before I know I'm going to hit my target. Um, of course, camera angles are of course a big thing, which is probably why you face such a challenge when doing it on stage, because no matter how you try to stage it, from some angle, someone in the audience is going to see a punch or a slap or whatever that just doesn't look realistic. So sometimes you just want to say, all right, this is the best we can do from here. Let's make it work, which is fair. I mean, theater is 100% different than like TV wise, because wherever you're sitting, someone's going to see something different. I think that's why he was like, just slap her, just, just get it over it. And I think it comes down to sometimes it's a matter of respecting the audience's own intelligence and their own imagination. Uh, one interesting thing that I learned from comic books, because I'm a huge comic fan, is all fiction requires some degree of participation from the audience. Like if you're reading books, the only information that you have in front of you are the words on the page. So you've got to add descriptions to say, the background looks like this, this character was dressed this way, this is how this character is feeling, et cetera, et cetera. So your, audit, your mind has to participate and make those things happen, but the dialogue still has to slow things down and explain it because you can't see it. But then if you get to a movie, everything's right there on front street. You've got the visuals, you've got the movement, you've got the music, you've got the sound, the actor's facial expressions, their voice, but it's all being handed to you. So there's not as much participation except for just being a part of the ride. But this is why I find comics so interesting is because all you have is the images, the words, the colors, and then the rest is in your, in your audience's own mind, where they have to come up with the voices, the sound effects. They're imagining like bigger fight scenes. They're imagining it with real people. And I've seen, I've read books where they play on that. 
and it's taken the medium to levels where I didn't even think it could go. So again, that's that's my quick shill for comic books. Take that. I think that's the one thing that I like about like theater and like books itself is because with movies, anybody can watch it. Like I could force you to watch a movie that I'm interested in, but I feel like for theater and for books itself, you have to be like into it to enjoy it. Joe, is it hard to get in voice acting? So like, I know besides your um, company, do you think it would be super hard to get into it? Say like, you just dropped everything and moved to California to pursue your dream. How hard would it be? And do you know what steps you would have to take in order to at least get your foot in the door? Yeah, this is where we get to the real talk of it. Because I'm not going to try to sell you that it's easy. All it takes is hard work and dedication. <laughs> That's it. Because there's going to be so many variables and challenges you're going to have to overcome. And this is, of course, where you get to a lot of the sadder realities of the world where you know, even just earlier today, I was watching a documentary talking about like some of like the poor conditions in LA and I try to keep up with politics and I'll see everybody living under every bridge and even people that are, you know, okay, they've got money in their pocket, they've got jobs, but they're still living in homeless shelters because they just can't afford to live in like an apartment or wherever else. So they don't have a couch that they can surf every couple months or whatever. Um, and I'll, you know, I've had some time um, even working in a studio here in downtown Indianapolis. Um, you associate with a lot of actors who are in agencies and, do, and doing auditions constantly every week. Um, and a lot of them do have that dream of moving out to L.A. and trying to pursue this as their 100% their career because they're hungry for it. They want it. Um, but of course, there's a lot of challenges that come with that because, as I said, the industry doesn't really care. Uh, and everything needs to be a sure bet in business. They don't want to take the risks on a smaller scale production. So that's why for me personally, I'm in the stage I'm in, I'm more comfortable trying to create my own opportunities to tell my own stories. Comes with its own different challenges, but there's a little bit more control in my camp. Um, but when it comes to, you know, trying to pursue acting or voice acting as a career, of course, there's step one is get yourself in order get your own experience, find your own method, um, you know, find ways, you know, learn, learn the ins and outs of acting, find your own techniques, um, take classes if you need to, study up on your favorite uh, performers or read books, whatever you got to do. Um, of course, getting with an agency is definitely a big help. Um, but I think some of the challenges you might face may just come down to even you in particular, because even in small town Indianapolis or in the tri-state area, you know, Cincinnati, Ohio, or wherever else, Kentucky or whatnot, you know, even I've seen where there'll be people that'll come through in the studio, I'll do an audition for them. And they'll tell me about how, you know, they're doing modeling. But the person trying to, you know, looking for the models is saying, Oh, well, you just weigh a little bit too much. You're not tall enough. And I'm like, who are you talking about? This is a 10 out of 10 over here. She's, <laughs> She's got it. She like got the, what I see on the daily, like she is built for that. But yeah. there's such a, a, a strict standard of what people are looking for. Some of it does come down to your physical appearance, your race, which is another sad reality. Um, That's true. Cause like they could want someone with brown hair and 
brown eyes or blonde hair and blue eyes yeah. and you just don't fit that description and then even when you get the part you're you're ready to roll they're like i want to i want to change your hair color yeah but even worst case scenario even the people above the creatives and the studios or whatever they'll make decisions and say hey we want to go a completely different direction and for better or worse they'll just recast rework the script change the name of it Marketed a certain way so that it completely botches the release of the film. I'm sure Warner Brothers is it should be taking a lot of notes right now. <laughs> but it's it's everywhere, and a lot of it too is understanding what roles you think you would be a good fit for. You know, tailoring yourself to what it is that you want to be and what you want to do as an actor. You know, even uh, even somebody again going back in the DC world, uh, Michael Shannon, who played General Zod in Man of Steel, among many other things in his career. Yeah. But he he cracks me up, and I love him to death because he is like a built to be like a scary person, almost like a modern day Jack Nicholson or or uh, Tim Curry or whatever. But mm -hmm. they get they they get those roles. They are typecast, but they people know what they want from them. They want a guy that has an intent, a quiet intensity. And when those roles come to him, he's perfectly content. And sometimes that's just where you got to be. If you want to be a commercial actor or whatever, or if you want to take lead roles in certain stories, that may just be your niche. Or at least maybe until you built a name for yourself to the point where you can get those bigger names where people are coming to you and seeking after you because you're, you're that next big star. Yeah. And even then, there's no real guarantee either because... Even in the position that we're in, in the YouTube and the Instagram and the Facebook space of online content creation, if if we hit that plateau where we've got millions of subscribers, millions of followers, millions of views or whatever, that's only step one. Because at some point, the party's going to be over. And if we're making the money, if we're living in our own house and doing this full time, at some point, we've got to set ourselves up for the future to say, okay, what's my next step? Do I try to move my career in a different direction? Do I try to create something else to make opportunities for other people who want to do the same thing? Do I educate people? Do I create my own agency that runs with, I think, my own set of ethics or whatever? So I, I try to stay humble in that sense as well. Like even for a lot of the successes that me and my team have had, I still know we haven't even hit the ceiling. We haven't even come close. So we're, mm -hmm. the work is never done, but yeah. it's work that I love doing. So I'm, I'm cool with not stopping. So would you say like voice acting would be easier to get into than like film or TV? Like I've always wanted to be an actress like in a movie or TV series, but I can't imagine like hearing my voice constantly as a voice actor. Yeah, um, I'd probably apply the same lesson that I take from doing day jobs, nine to five jobs is, you know, going from one job to another, you're trading you're just you're mostly just trading off the things that you don't like. For me, I did like 11 years straight of customer service. I worked in fast food, retail. I worked at a U-Haul, stuff like that. But it was always that direct customer service kind of thing. And then, of course, you hit burnout pretty quickly. So for me, now I'm working as a delivery driver for Amazon. The job still sucks, but I don't have that direct customer service environment. I get in the van, I pop my headphones in, listen to music, listen to podcasts, pick package up, drop it off. Contact with people is at a minimum. I can deal with that for now. My work to social life and regular life ratio, I keep the work to a minimum as much as I can while still paying my bills. 
and try to put my the rest of my time to whatever it is I'd like to do. So I'm content with that for now. And even for me personally, if I really wanted to do it, if I was really hungry for it, I could probably quit the job and just try going full in on trying to be an actor, a voice actor, graphic designer, whatever, because even opportunities will come up for me as a freelance artist or whatever. But there are going to be a degree of risks and things that you have to sacrifice in order to do that. For me personally, I'm just not strong enough to make some of those sacrifices right now. But you never know what could happen. But if you're if your heart's really in it, if you really desire it, you can. It's going to be tough. But as long as you are still here, as long as you are still kicking, the, the story is not over. And I think probably one of the there's a big advantage to us being this younger generation. Maybe everybody else more than me because I'm old as hell. But you know. They're the biggest advantage I think that we have growing up in this age of technology and, and, and resources and information. Um, like I said, there are a lot of opportunities to get started. And, you know, when you're young and you don't have the, that degree of responsibilities, no kids, no family, you know, things like that, then you can afford to sacrifice the nine to five jobs. And it'll, it'll be it'll come with its share of challenges. I'm not going to diminish that at all. But I think the biggest thing that we have to be aware of is a lot of the fiction that we've been sold because the world just isn't the same as it was years ago. Like there was a time, some dec some generation, a generation or two ago where you could work one full-time job and own a home. That is definitely not where we're at right now. And a lot of people will still try to sell you on that dream, that reality, just finish high school, get to college, and you'll, 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 you'll just magically be okay. But we live in this world that is so obsessed with that nine to five work culture, that corporate culture, to the point that, you know, one thing that, that kind of hit me as a revelation as to why me personally, I'm not going to say this is the same to anybody else, why I wouldn't say I'm a good fit for college is because college is built for people to, you know, do it, to try and figure things out for themselves when you're coming from an environment where that was the exact opposite, where you couldn't go to the bathroom without asking to do so. And then suddenly you're in this environment where it's like, dude, what are you doing? We're all grown here. Just go. That, that's what Gary V was saying the other day. I saw a TikTok he was posting and this guy was just like, should I leave my job to pursue my dreams? He's like, well, do you live with your parents? He's like, yeah. Do you, are you, uh, does anybody depend on you for income? He's like, no. He's like, well, then just quit everything and pursue your dreams at like 110% because like, what do you have to lose? Like you, no one, you don't have to make income for anyone. You don't have a kid to pay for. You don't have like a wife to take care of, you know, you have time to do it. And also you can always come back to that job. They're going to hire you or, you know, you can find somebody else, another company to work for. So that, when you said that, that's what I was thinking about. I know it's like college gives you like so much freedom and I think that's one of the things that I liked about it is because I have to be like, yo, I want to go out until 3 a.m. doing whatever. Like, I could just do it. But it's also like with all that freedom, it's like, like I moved out into an apartment and I was like, I have to pay bills. Like, there's a time frame for that. Like, I have to make sure that I have enough income for my bills, my utilities, I have to pay for, I, I didn't know how expensive dog food was until I had to pay for it myself. And I was like, I was not prepared for this, like at all. Like I had a job in high school, 
but all my income was just like for me personally like I didn't have anything to like spend with it so it I wasn't prepared at all like it it I just kind of like went into the deep end and I was like what am I doing it was like a learning process (laughs) all of a sudden you know 18 years old of course you're technically considered an adult but how many people are really in an adult mindset? How many people understand finances? How many people understand taxes, mortgages, rent? Uh, insurance. Insurance. Don't even ask me about insurance. Of course, disclaimer, I'm a guy that is very much still trying to figure all this out. I, I honestly think that we're all trying to figure it out. Like, even if I'm 65 and retired, like, I'll still be figuring it out. Like, I'll be like, what do I do today now that I don't have anything else to do? So I think it's just a learning curve for everybody. (laughs) What kind of, like, voice acting experience do you have? Yeah, so, of course, doing things within my own group, whether I need to do a voiceover for, like, a promotion or for a character in like a little mini animation, which one we did uh, last year. Um, I've done like a little handful of like professional work. Um, I've done some uh, voiceover auditions. I put together a little voiceover portfolio uh, that I would send into an agency that I was trying to get with. Um, So yeah, I've picked up like little work here and there. And of course, like I said before, it's all a continuing learning process. Like I said, for me, I just haven't taken any professional acting classes. So I just try to pick up on the lessons that I do learn from mentors, from actors that I idolize and things like that. Um, Even one technical, you know, thing that I learned about voice acting, which is very important, which you can hear how I'm talking right now, where it is almost like monotone or even looking at like a soundbar, certain Mm -hmm. words that I have an inflection, they'll be up here at one point, but then down here another. Mm -hmm. And it's knowing those peaks and valleys. So if I was to be in a commercial and say, try out Nike sneakers or something like that. Yeah. Oh, I can totally see the difference (laughs) or hear the difference. Sorry. The thing to be aware of is instead of going, try out Nike sneakers, you see how flat that is? Mm -hmm. I think, try out Nike sneakers, you know, finding... Here's where you want to raise it. Here's when you bring it back down, raise it here, raise it up here so that it becomes appealing to the ear and even knowing how to keep your levels the same all the way throughout so that there's not a point where it's spiking and it creates that sharpness in the senses. So there is a very technical craft to it, but I think a lot of it, it's the same thing where it comes down to performance where, you know, of course there's a different style of acting when it comes to portraying a character to doing a commercial, but that's just another type of character. So you've just got to learn the tools of the trade there as opposed to over here. Yeah, it kind of reminded me of, uh, so I worked with an athletic director all last year and he had me, I mean, I did a bunch of stuff for him, but during football season, he was like, I need an announcer for the junior high. He was like, I want you to do that. And I was like, I've never announced a day in my life. So watching the main so we've had the same like main announcer for uh high school football games for like ever um watching him I think helped me a lot because like you said before it's all about the way you say words certain words like you don't want to hear touchdown you know what I mean like you want to hear like touchdown like the whole shebang I think it helps a lot 
Joe, what are some uh, life experience that was most helpful for you uh, when you're working in this type of in uh, industry? I think uh, the time that I spent working at a at a studio here in town, it was called Zahi Studios. They do some really amazing stuff over there. Mm -hmm. um, learning from the people that I worked with there, learning from other actors and voice actors that I'd come across, because that was like probably my first taste of, you know, some of the realities of the industry, you know, seeing things from a different perspective that I didn't have before. Um, even certain things in my living situation had changed. Mm -hmm. um, but it's all, it was all a really good lesson for life and just trying to live a different way and being a parts of different productions. And those are things that I come back with that I try to bring to my own group. Even if I'm not like a master at it, or I haven't learned everything there is to know about acting, directing, marketing, camera work or whatever, but seeing it done a different way and seeing how the pros do it, those there's still perspective that I can bring back to my own group, to my own productions, my own freelance work. So I'd say that's a very profound moment as far as like things that I've learned. I'd say it's a good turning point. But like I said, the the, the learning never stops because there's you, you never live long enough to get smart. You have to keep going. So I know you already spoke on this earlier um, about additional income. So um, that was one of our questions we had for you, but to connect with that. So how much would you say you should spend working on your passion compared to work? I know you have to pay bills and you have to do this, but... How much would you consider, say, like an 80-20 split or, you know, about like 90% at the real job, 20%, you know, like 10% at the other job? Um, so how would you gauge that roughly? Yeah. I mean, of course, the ideal thing is, and again, this is something I struggle with all the time, is putting the majority of your time, whether that be 80% to 60, try to put it towards your passion. Or even if it's a lower percent, but you're working so hard in that lower percent that you're almost making up for it, then maybe that's the path. But I think, like I said, a lot of it comes down to understanding what it is that you are willing to sacrifice and how much time you're willing to put into it. And I'm not going to shame anybody for not wanting to put in the full amount of time because everybody's built different. Like I said, I'm probably not willing to live out of my car in L.A. just chasing the auditions because... You know, like I said, there's an extent that I want to be comfortable, but that's sometimes that's just what it takes. So a lot of it's going to take some soul searching, assess what it is that you want, where you want to be and how hard you are willing to work in order to get there. Yeah, I can I totally. Yeah, because like, I mean, Eric, you've kind of talked about this a little bit, like should I just quit my job and focus on like my passions? And I always yeah. said, like. If you focus no. on it, you have to fully like oh, yeah. go. And I was like, you might as well like keep working now, see where it goes. Like if it's something you want to, you know, continue to pursue. But I was like, yeah. at least like start it and like keep your job just so that you can, yeah. you know, see where it takes you. If you want to change your mind in the future, you can. But I would not go full throttle. That's just me. I think I'm more yeah. like. I'd be way too nervous about that. Like, do I have enough money to pay my bills? Like, do I have enough money to like live off of before I would decide? Yeah. yeah. And it's a I'm more it's practical, a I guess. No, that's, <laughs> I, think, I think a lot of it does come down to balance too, where you try to balance. It's, it's literally yin yang. I've been trying to read a lot of like, you know, Zen Buddhism and stuff like that. Cause I find it really interesting, but 
where you try to find your balance between your instincts and what your instincts tell you, what your passion tells you, but as well as like your analytical mind, your, you know, stuff like that, where on the one hand, you need to follow what your heart tells you, follow your own code of ethics. But on the other hand, too, you've got to find, you know, the technical side of things. You've got to find what works and work doesn't work on this platform. Is this like, is this length of video reaching this many people on this platform? Is this video right for this audience and things like that? Also the business side of things where you can't rely just on YouTube AdSense because it works. Yeah. It's so wishy-washy. So you've got to find multiple streams of income, finding, you know, getting affiliate links, finding sponsors, doing, you know, crowdfunding like Patreon or, or GoFundMe for a particular project. There's all these resources out there, but you've got to like be in it like constantly, especially if you want to make that your livelihood. And like I said, you can't put all your eggs in one basket too, because as my group has seen, we started on YouTube way back when the goal, when we first made the company was to devote ourselves to YouTube, but the market's so crowded. So we tried, okay, let's make a web series here on Instagram because nobody's doing like a 15 second web series or consistent content. So build a following there so that when we do have something that we want to put on YouTube that ties in, people from our Instagram will already go there and we'll have an install base already built in. Even if it's just a small percentage going from here to there, it's better than starting over here and having to really climb your way up the top. Yeah. But being aware of like how the platforms work, how the algorithms change and how much that can make or break your project. Facebook was literally like, you know, that was our, our biggest platform at one point, but then they made algorithm changes to prioritize your timeline from your family and your friends, as opposed to Facebook pages. They suggested flat out like, okay, pages aren't going to be the biggest thing for growth anymore. So you've got to put more emphasis on groups. So it's like, okay, well now back to the drawing board. <laughs> so how do we find growth from here? Then all of a sudden TikTok was our biggest thing. And now Instagram has the Instagram reels thing. But what makes me oh, mad, our, our <laughs> team members mad is because they have the 60 second Instagram reels, but it's only working on like regular people's, you know, pages. But if you're a content creator, you only get like 15 to 30 seconds and everybody's just waiting like, yo, how do we get the 60 seconds? And Instagram is saying nothing. And it is really frustrating because if we had that numbers could shoot through the roof right now, but so you <laughs> yeah, like a lot of changes kind of, with social media. <laughs> yeah. So we're kind of at the mercy of a lot of these platforms, but hopefully one day the goal is to get past that and just be to where we are in control. We have the power to go to whichever platform we need and we can do our thing. But we got a lot of work to do. <laughs> so do you like have your own like recording studio or like do you go somewhere else to do everything? I mean, the setup, it's funny because I've got good equipment now. Like mm -hmm. I've got a microphone, I've got some sound foam, things like that. I've got some software on my computer. But even we've done videos where it's literally just we're on set. We know what voiceover I need for a quick video. My friend gets his iPhone, okay, do a monologue here, everybody be quiet, record it right there on the spot, and then boom, that's it. And it's kind of funny when you look at our journey since we started to where we are now, where we have people on the team that did buy huge 4K cameras and microphones and tripods and stuff like that. But nowadays, some of the simplest things that we do use are just a phone and doing that because a lot of these social media platforms are tailored towards vertical content. So the best thing to do is shoot it vertically, shoot it in 4K, take it into your editing software and then manipulate it so we can make it widescreen or make it a square, whatever we got to do. So 
and you really don't have to have like the biggest technical things starting off, especially not now. So for the most part, what you've got now, you can make it work. Trust me. Do you have any recommendations for books? Like I know a lot of people besides watching YouTube videos on how to do this stuff. Is there any like books that you uh, read that inspire you to do this or like helped you become a better voice actor or actor in general, or, you know, what are other medias that you've done used in order to become a better, you know, actor or uh, artist? So I know for me personally, I mean, of course, there are books specifically that'll do it. I've been big into listening to audiobooks as of late, mostly because it fits in with my schedule while I'm on the road at work. I'll just pop in an audiobook and I'll just listen chapter by chapter that way. Um, but a lot of what I'll look for, I'll try to find maybe something specific. I'll Google and YouTube have been probably my biggest and easiest resource that I have to pull information. Um, mm -hmm. But I'll definitely listen specifically to interviews from some of my favorite actors and voice actors, hearing their stories, hearing the th the challenges that they overcame, hearing their method to acting, where even sometimes you'll hear different perspectives where one person will say, um, I don't want to get a line reading because I want to find that character on my own and find those results on my own. And one director will say, hey, I'd rather just let them find it because from my experience, letting them find it on their own gets me better results than if I tell them, hey, say it like this. But then other actors will say, hey, I'll take the quickest way from point A to point B. Just tell me what you need me to say and then I'll say it. So there's really no rules to this. I think it just comes down to just doing whatever you feel is most is most comfortable to get the proper result and bet money. There's probably going to be act, actual, you know, professional voice actors and actors out there who are going to say, this guy doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. And to an extent, <laughs> right. But Very like exciting. I said, it's a very subjective medium. The very the methods you choose to use are very subjective. So you've just got to find what works best for you. You know, find your sources from things that you trust, that you respect and just come to your own conclusions. I know you're a writer and a freelancer. What is like the hardest part about doing that? Like finding jobs for one and two, it's like, which ones do you pick up? Which ones do you leave alone? Um, that was a couple of things I was thinking about when you're, you know, you said you're a freelancer and you also, your company looks for job opportunities. So what are some hard parts that you guys face with that? Yeah. I know when it comes to like, you know, professional acting in particular, when, when you're doing like constant auditions and things like that, it's that that's a very tough one because a lot of it is so out of your hands. There's no real way to control how many people are going into that audition. Everybody's yeah. bringing it to the table and they're all hungry for the same job and everybody has their own approach to doing the same role. Um, side note, even one acting uh, exercise that I had heard of maybe a, a year or so back was mm -hmm. take a certain line and say it as many times as you can in as many different ways as you can. And it's actually really fascinating when you see how many different ways you can say the same thing and have it fit so many different situations. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's a fun one. But when it comes to like auditioning, your job as an actor, I guess, is to try and get inside the mind of the director or the writer and try to give them what you think they're looking for as best as you can. So if a line comes across my, you know, comes across the page that says, say, you know, why did you do that? You know, you've got to think about the situation that you're in, what type of character you're playing, how they feel, how the other person's going to feel, what's going to happen when they say it. So you can say, why would you do that? Why would you do that? 
why would you do that? Like, there's always like different approaches to saying the same thing. And you never know which is the right one that's going to get it. And you never know what somebody else is going to do and they might get it. So doing that, it's a very tough way. It's, it's a very tough, but it's a constant grind. So of course, one of your biggest things may be making connections, having people in your circle that, you know, are writers, directors, actors, whatever, so that you're in the mix and people know who you are and say, Oh, I know this guy, he'd actually be perfect for this role. I'm not saying be a complete two-faced moron and just get these relationships <laughs> strictly for the job. Yeah. You know, make maybe make some genuine connections, make some friends. It never hurts to have too many friends, I'm sure. So I think that's, especially if you're trying to move out to LA and be a serious actor, I think those kind of connections are definitely going to help you out. Oh yeah, for sure. Especially like when you're out of state and you're living on your own, so. Definitely, especially in LA. So um, speaking about the audition process, how does that kind of work for someone like aspiring to be like a voice actor? Yeah, I know, like I said, from my experience, both being in it and from the outside looking in, being the person who was doing the auditions for other people, um, a lot of it goes where you're part of an agency. They send something out to every to all their actors to say, <clears throat> OK, here's the project. This is when we need auditions by from this time to this date. Uh, you look at the material. So let's say it's a commercial for a uh, like a senior, like a senior home or whatever. You get your lines. You say, OK, this says Stratford Senior Living. You know, ideally, the more time you have to read it, come up with your own approach, the better. But sometimes you'll get it that morning. You need to get there by noon and you only have until 3 p.m. to actually send in your audition. So you sometimes you just don't have a whole lot of time. So you've almost got to be thinking on your feet as much, as fast as possible, especially when they were, when people were coming down to a studio who didn't have the equipment and the backdrops to do a self tape, they would have to go to a studio and have them take care of it for them or go to one of the offices at the agency or one of their locations in order to do it for them. So you get there, you're in your waiting line, you're with the other actors, you're taking your time to sit down and read and reread the material and think in your own head, okay, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? You get inside, it's your turn, meet with the person doing the audition for you, and then you might get some input from them that what they think might help the uh, the actors or the directors get what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's, that's the tricky part. You never know exactly what's going to be the right thing. So it's very tricky. Yeah, you could think that they hated you and then you get a call back. Or you could think that they love you and then they, they pick someone else. I also know that you do art um, and usually freelance art. Uh, what have you done recently? I know back in the day when we were in high school, you did a lot of Joker and Batman stuff, but I didn't yeah. know since then what have you done. He yeah. probably he probably still does Batman. Same. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's no way that he does not do Batman art. No way. Yeah. I know for me, a lot of times, just given the nature of the type of stuff I do on the regular, it's largely like conceptual artwork, things like that. I'll do uh, even something as simple as like stick figures to draw out, like fight choreography, like, okay, this move happens. These people are in this position, et cetera, et cetera. I do a lot of storyboard work. So one of the things that I do, because I'm trying to get more into using technology for like the mm-hmm. art that I do and doing digital art. So I'll either be in like Photoshop or I'll be in an app like Procreate on uh, my iPad. 
and mm -hmm. I'll bring in like a picture that I Googled, which is like a storyboard template, bring yeah. that in, put that on a layer, start another layer and then start drawing my storyboard that way. So that way I can, you know, draw it in, erase it, add colors, all kinds of stuff. And the what, goal is to what, make it like easy to communicate for the rest of the team. So they know what I'm thinking. What is a storyboard? <laughs> like I know you've mentioned it a few times and I, in my head, I thought I knew what it was, but maybe I don't. But like I said, basically like say when it comes to doing your pre-production, you'll have your script. So that way you have like a text version of how the story is supposed to play out. But sometimes it does help to have that visual. So what I like to do is I'll have, you know, a storyboard like this. So you can see there's the oh. image right here. And then there will be text to describe it, what sound effects are being used at what time, what bit of dialogue is being used at what time, uh, what kind of motions. Like I'll have a person here and then I'll have arrows to show that their arms are moving a certain way. Uh, you can definitely show what type of shots you want to get, what kind of angles. This one's at a medium. The next one's at a close-up. Here's your establishing shot. Here's your wide. Here's your drone shot. So that's probably one of my favorite things to do as part of the group is doing that sort of visual storytelling and get that on board. So, Another question we had is, like, would you pick a different career? Uh, like, you know, like when we were young, like I wanted to be a police officer. Obviously, mm -hmm. that's not happening. So uh, I didn't know if that's changed or you've always been wanting to be a voice actor or, you know. Or perfect. if you could just change your career, like, and just do anything and mm -hmm. you'd be, like, successful yeah. in it, like, would you change it? Yeah. I mean, like I said, for me personally, it's always just comes down to I don't have to do it big. I just have to be doing it, whatever it is, as long as I love doing it and mm -hmm. I can devote more of my time to that, ideally all of it as opposed to de devoting it to the nine to five jobs or whatever, then I'm comfortable. So if it's not acting or voice acting or telling stories or writing or making movies or short films, then I'll probably be into like, you know, trying to be a professional fighting game player or whatever, get a sponsor that'll let me go to tournaments and things like that. And I can devote most of my time to that. Or I can try to pursue teaching martial arts or maybe going competitive if I wanted to put the time in for that. So there's always avenues that I can take. I think it just comes down to what it is that you as an individual want to put your time into. Because like I said, I'm I'm really good at playing Tekken. Tekken's my favorite fighting game, but I just don't have the time to put in to go into the lab, learn each character's frames. This is how I fight this matchup. For me, I just play for fun. I'll get very frustrated because I don't know the matchup because I'm not doing those things, but I understand that. I'm like, okay, I just don't know what that means. It's cool. I'll just stop playing, let the salt wear down, and then I'll come back tomorrow. Eric, if, if you could change your career path, what would you pick? Uh, well, I really don't have a career path now <laughs> besides making a podcast. <laughs> if you could just do anything tomorrow and, like, be good at it, like, what would you do? I'd be an actress. I would 100% be one. <laughs> I will never do it, but I would be one. I wanted to be a like travel photographer or and uh make youtube videos like travel as much as can and show like hey this is places you need to visit and i always saw on youtube and also photography national geographic was really interesting how they got the shots of like space and also like the valleys of you know of the mountains which was awesome and i always wanted to do that and 
most of my old photography photos that's what they were they weren't like portraits or anything like that when you take yeah. my photos they're good do you still do like any photography just in your off time is just like a little hobby essentially or uh he actually okay (laughs) yeah because he's just my photo man i don't know but uh we went to gatlinburg um a while ago and i had like a professional camera um so it has like the short lens the long lens um and since i was driving i had him take all the photos and they actually turned out really well like we we'd switch on and off but he got to test out my camera yeah yeah awesome all right joe uh well we have a little segment for you so uh we're gonna see if you could do different voices and uh, on the spot with different scenarios so you can make up your own yeah you can make up your own scenario we'll just give you the basis of it so the first one can you do a batman voice uh just give us a scene he's trying to understand what an iphone is all right i'll start off the scenario here so robin walks into the bat cave hey bruce I just got a new iPhone 7. Hmm. Come on, Bruce, don't look so grumpy. Here's what I never understood, Robin. Why is it that even me, in all of my technical genius and my years of crime fighting, mastering science and criminology, evolving Wayne Enterprises into one of the biggest conglomerates in all of Gotham City, and even I can't understand why the iPhones are so damned expensive? It's because of the name brand, Bruce. If there's anything in this world that's crime, it's Apple. Lower the prices. That was good. <laughs> oh you can hear me speaking through my character. I don't understand what when, he said, when he said it's because of Apple, I almost lost it. But I was like, I have to be calm. I have to be calm. <laughs> you can tell I'm traumatized by most of my friends who completely shill to Apple every chance they get. And I'm like, shut up. I don't need it. I don't care. I've got to play it. I'm burning bridges tonight. You are a I, Samsung user? Here's the thing. I am Android. Android. Oh, <laughs> yes or here's no question. I yes am or just no question. A, I just use whatever technology I need at the time, whatever I can afford, if it does what I Joe, need it to do. Cool. Joe, I thought we were starting off good, but he just ruined <laughs> it. He just ruined it. Like, yeah, I have I a Mac. To my principles here. I just, like I said, if okay, keep in mind, I have okay, an Apple. You're, we iPad. can't fate. Like, look, Apple, I have an iPad, Apple. Okay. Got a, a Apple Pencil, whatever. But I'm not brand loyal to Apple. I just get what I need to work. That's all I need. Just give me it what depends. I need to do the job. That's it. It depends on what it is. Because phones, iPhone. You can FaceTime. It's so much easier. <laughs> yes. I don't want uh, talking to nobody anyways. Does it do what I need for the group? I'm good. Does it make calls? Does it do texts? I'm good. Um, Laptop-wise, I have a Mac because, I mean, it's it connects with my iPhone, so it's just easier to switch stuff on and off. Plus, if I have issues, the Apple guy can just get on my laptop, you know, wirelessly and then help me out. And then I also have a Apple Watch, so. But I also have a um, a PC, so that's Windows. Yeah. So, but like phone, around. phone, always iPhone. Just so much easier. You have FaceTime. You can read when people see your messages. You can. The one thing that sucks is when you're in a group message, like a group chat with like um, someone who's a Samsung user, who's a Samsung 
user or whatever because mm-hmm. you can't title your group chats and i'm like if you had an iphone we'd be able to do this all right i got the second scenario uh in her peter parker voice give us a scene where he meets vanos probably like the first time when that big huge avenger scene when he like is like oh my god <laughs> all right here we go try to tap into my own peter parker voice let me see here all right so we'll start with thanos he has just come through a portal. He's got the Infinity Gauntlet. He's staring down the Avengers. So, you really think you puny mortals can withstand the might of death incarnate? A uh, question! Iron Man, Peter, you're not in school, kid. You don't need to raise your hand in order to make yourself heard by an evil madman. Okay, question real quick. So, you've got that crazy glowing oven mitt right now, right? Exactly what makes you think that it gives you the right to take over the universe? Little boy, do you understand you are facing the might of the great destroyer of the- Yeah, 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 anyways, look, and whatever Thanos, Thanatar, whatever your World of Warcraft name is, let me tell you something. We're the Avengers, all right? So we've got- Whoa! Dodges a laser beam, fights, kicks off, whatever. How about that? So for the last one, it's um, try and do something in a commercial voice so you can- create your own commercial basically okay there we go yeah (laughs) do you have trouble keeping your promises to your friends and family do you find yourself disappointing them at every turn at meetups group cookouts or anything of that nature well why don't you try politics Becoming a politician is easy. Just take money from every corporate douchebag under the sun and you'll get in no problem. Warning, side effects will include loss of any sorts of integrity or human sense whatsoever. I, don't <laughs> I was not expecting the politics at all. <laughs> like, when you said it, I was just like, wait, what? That just took a turn. That's true. That's true. Tell I was like, politics. maybe I should go to politics. Because I was like, I'm agreeing to all this. (laughs) So here's some things to think about uh, that we noticed uh, when we were researching voice actors and what problems they might have. Uh, First one, uh, and I want to know your opinion about this too. Mm -hmm. Uh, Voice actors are always on call, even on vacation. Do you think this is a true statement or how extent is this true? Or if it is, honestly, to you? I guess depending on where you're at in your career, essentially, yes. Because if, let's say, if you're in a position where you, you know, have the part, you're doing your job, um, I'm sure, you know, because, like, when you think about the process of animation where you'll start off by doing your lines recording first, you'll read off your script, they animate around how you do your your lines and match the, uh, the lip movements up to that. But then yeah. sometimes you'll have to come back in and do ADR to say, okay, we want the the character to be animated this way, so come back in and try to match that animation there. So in that sense, I could see it where that becomes the case. Ideally, I'm sure I hope that they would try to work with you on your schedule. But then on the lower spectrum where you're just going in audition after audition, to in a sense, yes, and then maybe to a slighter extent, no, where you don't have to go in for every audition. Of course, the agencies try to send you stuff that they think that you would be a good fit for, but even mm-hmm. sometimes I would get emails for an audition for veterans or stuff that really doesn't apply to me at all. So I'm like, yeah, this has nothing to do to me. Why'd you send this here? Yeah, yeah, I I could see that because I 
see a lot of uh, like Breaking Bad guy uh, that played Jesse. He did like a bunch of uh, what was it? The serial pop pops. Yeah. yeah, he did with that, and he was just like, I regret doing that. <laughs> he was like, it was his first gig, and he was just like, I regret that. Well, that's the funny like, thing because I'll see ads with like celebrities in it, and it'll be like literally like a seven second ad with just Kevin Car- uh, Kevin Hart saying a line or something, and mm-hmm. I'm like. Did you really need to blow through your budget just for that? <laughs> you could have gotten literally anybody else and you would have been just fine. Sure. But hey, he's 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 a big name star right now, so why not? Yeah, I, I would blow through my budget for Kevin Hart. I mean, look, I'm sure he's a nice guy. I'd love to hang out with him myself, but at the same time, my, like... I actually know somebody who met Kevin Hart because he um, worked at an arena and he was like doing a show or whatever. Um mm-hmm. And Kevin was like, hey, do you want to be a part of my video or whatever? Um, but he had work to do. And I was like, I would have quit my job to be in that video. <laughs> like, no doubt. Just saying. <laughs> so voice actors could be jobless for like months or even years. Is that kind of why you do a little freelance art and like produce content for YouTube and social media? Well, essentially, like I said, for me, where I've grown less interested in trying to chase after the roles from like agencies and stuff like that. And I'm just more personally interested in just trying to create my own stuff. Or like I said, for a lot of the freelance stuff, you know, people will come to me just here in the community that know me, that know that I draw, that know that I do work in Photoshop or whatever. Uh, They'll just say, hey, can you do this? Uh, What's your price? And I'll just be fair and I'll say my price is X, Y, and Z. I might present some new ideas to them and uh, they can take it or leave it. And then I just go from there. Um, But definitely that is a huge challenge where, like I said, if you're trying, especially if you're trying to make it in like the industry, it's a constant grind. So if you've got the fortitude to keep that, keep that up, bless you, because it is not easy. I respect your strength, but like I said, that's just where I'm comfortable. I just like to work where I know I have more control and I can tell the stories that I want to tell, be a part of the roles that I think I would be a fit for. I agree with that. And also they're saying uh, social media is a big part in it as well to, you know, get your exposure out there. Do you agree that to extent or would you like TikTok and stuff like YouTube? Um, you know, I know some people that don't like doing that like they'll do the word of mouth or you know they'll apply to all these different positions to do the voice acting would you use the social media or would you honestly just try to apply for it i will say it is 100 percent true that having a social media presence of some kind is definitely beneficial i'm not saying you have to do the same thing that everybody else does i'm not saying you have to follow every trend or whatever even like if you're like morgan freeman has an instagram account for some reason, I think he barely posts on there, but hey, <laughs> he's one of my favorite actors. So. Exactly, because it's Morgan Freeman. It's just good to scroll down your timeline. It's like, oh, there is fa- there's his face. That's fun to see today. Um, but even for me, the great irony in what I do, I'm a part of, you know, the online content creation culture. I could be considered a social media influencer, mm-hmm. but I absolutely hate social media. I, do, <laughs> I don't like it, <laughs> but you, I've got to be in the mix, so. It's kind yeah, of you the game. You got to play yeah, the game. Yeah, I think right? nowadays social media is just way too important to not be in the mix of it. Yeah. yeah. But like I said, for me, I try to rethink exactly what it's for. For me personally, every once in a while, like I rarely post, but 
I'll scroll through sometimes when I have the time and I'll just react to something or I'll make a comment and stuff like that. Every once in a while, if it's something that I'm interested in that I think is funny, that I think is important, I'll, I'll share something or make a post. Um, but I mostly try to use it as a tool to further the work that I do with uh, Indifilm, with my group. So that's that's mostly where I'm at. Some actors come uh, become unnoticed for most of their career. So like, and since you were talking about Foster's imaginary friends, a lot of people don't know these actors because they don't get, they get credit, but all they credit they get is like a title screen. And just like, um, oh my God, I can't believe I'm forgetting her name. The girl that, the, uh, Sarah Strong, I think that's her name, that did like Bubbles, that did uh, Teen Titans, a uh, bunch of like, yeah, Tara, that's what it is. That she did over 500, Bubbles? and I didn't know. Yeah. Like, Bubbles, Power 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 Girls? Power. Yeah. She was my yeah, favorite. Well, here's the she, thing. She Tara did a lot Strong, of voice actors. Oh, yeah. Tara Strong and Phil Lamar are literally the voices of mm -hmm. our childhood because they, they were in, yeah. like, everything. And I, love, and I love listening to interviews from them or seeing them on podcasts or shows or whatever because mm -hmm. they can, without taking a breath, dive into the voices of characters that they did 5, 10, 15 years ago, and they'll always get the question of, like, What's your real voice? And they're like, I don't know anymore. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. So I, I love like, those two. Those two are great. So are you ready, Joe? Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> I already know the answer to one of these questions. So um, TV show or movie? I would have to say movies just because of the amount of time that it takes for me to devote to a TV show. I'd have to binge it or I'd have to keep up with it regularly. That's just less of my consumption. But a movie is probably where I'm most comfortable. Okay. Uh, Mac or PC? I would go with a PC. <laughs> One, probably because my friends have turned me off to Apple, present company excluded. Um, but I do like the customization of having my own personalized PC. I've got it decked out with the lights that I like. I've got my Batman logo on it, obviously. So, yeah, PC, definitely. Uh, car <laughs> <laughs> Cartoon drawings or portraits? Cartoon, definitely. That's more of my style. I kind of grew up doing the, you know, anime Dragon Ball Z drawings, comic book style. So that's more of where I'm comfortable. Okay. And there's no limit to that. So there you go. I think I know the answer to this. Batman or Superman? It is a direct tie. And I have my own reason. No, it's what? this oh, or that. That is the segment. That's the name of the segment, Joe. I'll, this I'll or that. I'll, I'll no, you can't even explain. <laughs> you have to answer. <laughs> this or that. Two, between the two, it is Batman just because I have more history with the character, identify with him more. But the most honest answer I can give in recent years is that Batman and Superman are a tie. They are two sides to the same coin. They are good cop, bad cop. They are the day and the night. They work best together. But if I had to choose between the two, it would be Batman just because I have more history with the character. So there, I'm playing by the rules. Yeah, yeah, it's the rules of the game. The rules of the game. Um, traditional drawing or digital drawing? I would definitely say in the last couple of years, I've grown more accustomed to digital because I feel like there's some unique resources there that I've grown more accustomed to. Initially, it was hard. At first, I did prefer hand-drawn, but after I got used to it, I found some tools that really worked for me, uh, different drawing tablets that worked better. 
I've definitely grown more accustomed to digital. Okay. Um, 3D drawing or 2D drawing? Just for my own skills, definitely I'm 2D, but I'm, def I'm not opposed to learning more 3D because I think it comes with a lot of advantages. I would actually love to see more 3D animation from like anime or coming from DC Comics, stuff like that. That's just my personal preference. Yeah. Sorry, I'm yelling no, at my animals. <laughs> um, okay, so art store or comic book shop? I am more of a comic book shop kind of guy. I feel like now, I'd be the same. Well, that being said, I will I will admit too, I've kind of fallen out of it a little bit just because <clears throat> it's so all over the place and some of the stories have gone in directions. I don't know what's going on. So I just wait until Grant Morrison has something else to put out and then I'm good. Because <laughs> literally every book the man makes is my new favorite book. I can't, I can't, his list is just topping everything for me. Okay. So doing one voice for the rest of your life or letting someone else choose your voice character every time? If I had to pick between the two, just knowing how much I respect someone like, you know, people like Kevin Conroy or Mark Hamill, who have found mm -hmm. their niche doing the same character, I would have no problem doing a character that I was very proud of, that I had a lot of fun doing, especially one that would be as iconic as like a Batman or the Joker or whoever else. Um, but of course, a little bit of variety here and there never hurts. So, but between the two, I, I'd be cool with taking just one role for the rest of my life. So hire a voice acting coach or learn on your own. I mean, just from where I've been, learn on my own, but I am never too highbrow for a lesson. So I'll take an acting coach, but I'm just comfortable with learning on my own personally, okay. probably because I would have to pay for an acting coach and I'm, I'm not rich or nothing. So. <laughs> So a lot of colors or a minimum of colors? Probably minimum. You know, I'm more of a, it's a kind of ironic because I'm about to say that because my morality is all shades of gray. But if I just had to choose aesthetics, I'm a black and white kind of guy. I just like to keep it simple. Okay. Last one. Bob Ross or Leonardo da Vinci? I'm going to have to go with Bob Ross sheerly for the fact that when I finally watched one of his episodes, it was like the most calming thing I have ever watched. It's like ASMR. It just puts you in a good mood and you're like, wow, I learned something and I feel good watching this. So yeah, Bob <laughs> Ross all the way. Okay. So that is all the time that we have. And that's all the questions that we have for you today. Um, thank you, Joe, for coming onto our podcast and giving us a little inside um about how you live your daily life it's been a yeah. pleasure is there anything else you want to add at the end any parting words of wisdom from batman yeah quotes any quotes last quotes all right i'll give you one this it's like wait, it's like saying last call but you're like last yeah. quotes of the day <laughs> if these are the last words you hear from me humble audience the consistent detail to strength is whether it's be emotional, physical, mental, whatever, is it is about what you endure and hopefully eventually what you overcome. This game is rough. The odds have been stacked against you since the beginning, but stick with it. Keep fighting, keep finding your own purpose, follow your dreams. And if you can, maybe make some positive change so that the next people coming after you can have an easier time. 
Also, aside from that, check out our socials for Into Film. We're at Trapped in Anime on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, all that good stuff. Thank you, Joe, for coming onto our podcast as a guest. And thank you for all the advice that you've given our listeners today. Make sure to check out Joe on all the social media platforms. And his link to his portfolio will be in the description below. Also, don't forget to check out our, all our social media platforms for updates on when new episodes go live. Make sure you tune in next week for our next episode. Bye, guys. Let's create a spark. Bye, guys. Featuring my new kitten.